Welcome to Running It Back, the Lessons Learned from Sports podcast. I'm Mike Palmer, joined as always by Tarlin Ray. We're going to talk about protests. We're going to talk about some of the, the roiling that's happening in the U.S. these days. Before we get to any of that, Tarlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. A shorter stories to share. Yeah. But I want us all to remember what it was like to prepare for finals. You have a younger son. Mm-hmm. You're a long way from this. Yeah. But I have a 15-year-old daughter who's experiencing finals as a ninth grader for the first time. Yeah. And I'm super proud of her. She's grinding. But it is bringing me back. And not in a good way. I just had my 30th anniversary for high school. Wow. And was there joking with some friends. I mentioned that my daughter was gearing up for finals. And I still remember going over a buddy's house grinding over the old man in the sea, preparing mm. for our English final. Yeah. And at one point I looked at him and I said, I think we rewrote the book. And he said, I think we overprepared for that one. <laughs> but just thinking about finals, there's nothing in your life right now yeah. where you have to try to prepare to remember everything that you just learned the prior nine months. Right. Aside from podcasting. And I'm going to get to that. I, it's all connects, Palmer. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick the landing at some point. And so as I'm sitting there watching her prepare, I'm thinking back. And my buddies made fun of me in college. I mean, it's finals period. I was hoodie up. Yeah. Grab a little food. And I was just always alone. Where was this relative to headphones? Zero headphones. So it was the hoodie. Yeah. And I often said it created sort of the space I needed, but also none of it left my brain. I just, yes. it all tried. It all inside. If my head's warm, I feel good. Reverse osmosis. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so made fun of the way I studied then. I still have flashbacks because we, I live in the home I grew up in. Right. Um, and so I have flashbacks of being down these halls, never leaving my room, grinding. Right. I, I still have the recurring dream because I might've, you have an opportunity to take classes pass fail in college. I might've taken a class pass fail. Yeah. I might've found a, a buddy who was a couple of years behind me in high school who took fantastic notes. So I, at times did not ever see that classroom. Yeah. I would just grab the notes. It's the information, however it gets in. But I had flashbacks of the day of finals, not being able to find the class because I hadn't been there so yeah. long. Yeah. Getting up on the second floor and just being befuddled and waking up in a cold sweat. Sure. So my finals moment, because you often are grinding to the finish and you're just trying to jam as much in your head yeah. as preparing for this podcast. There you go. I oftentimes will wake up at 4.23. Yeah. My alarm went off. Yeah. And I might have overslept a little bit, woke up at 4.57. Just to be clear, these times are Pacific time, so it's not really that early. It's it's a little later in, in, on the West Coast. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's a little later for you, but I, but I will grind until about 623. I'm like, that's it. That's There's it. nothing more I can learn. Whatever I got, I got, and yeah. let's make sure I get a second cup of coffee. So a shout yeah. out to all parents who are managing high degree of stress mm-hmm. and anxiety in your house. Be empathetic. You've gone through it. Don't act like it wasn't a deal. It sucked. Yeah. Final suck. Yeah. So final suck. When you're trying to produce it out of your head, I love final season when it's in sports, but that's as yeah. I wanted to share to make sure you, you're years away, yeah. but remember this, be, be empathetic to Matthew. I will. I will. School's in. 
although it's soon to be out. The testing effect is real too. When you, when you're quizzed on these things, you could talk at length right now, I imagine about the old man of the sea again, running it back premium for those deep literary cuts from Tarlin. I'd rather talk Canterbury Tales and the fact that I can't get sure. the general prologue out of my head because I had to memorize that as a 10th grader. But we're not talking Chaucer. We are talking finals a bit in that it's the NBA finals. We did just do our NBA show. And fortunately, I didn't have to edit out my prediction that the Celtics would win. It's still in play. We can see where that lands. Steve Kerr is part of what we're talking about today. Steve Kerr is the coach of the Golden State. Warriors, he was interviewed. Warriors. Warriors come out to fight. Yeah, that's funny. On our previous episode, you spoke about the tragedy in Buffalo. Sadly, we saw another similar tragedy in Uvalde, Texas. Folks who have to go out in front of a microphone have to say something, put into a leadership position, who then have to speak. Steve Kerr was interviewed, really powerful press conference, was noted outside of sports for his leadership at that moment and the way in which he just really articulated his frustration more than anything. Um, I'm not going to talk about basketball. Nothing's uh, happened with our team in the last six hours. We're going to start the same way tonight. Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter. Um, since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here, and a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California, and now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. It's what we do every week. So I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight. But I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And, the, and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check? 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite 
what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. That's in the NBA. And then in baseball, Gabe Kapler chose to sit out of standing for the national anthem. He stayed in the dugout for the national anthem in response to his outrage, really, at the shooting in Texas and the fact that these things still continued to happen. It's something that we're all struggling with because what do you even say at this point? You know, like, what can you say? And that's why I think the fact that Gabe Kapler took this action. And then interestingly, he came out for the anthem on Memorial Day to honor those who served and died. There is complexity and depth to all of this, but interestingly, sports is providing us, as we talk about all the time on the show, it's providing us this landscape, this theater of the world for us to, to understand how we think we should deal with this and maybe find some lessons learned. What are your thoughts to kick this off? So funny when you think back to Steve Kerr, role player, but obviously much needed on championship teams, used his stops Jordan's fist with his face at one point in practice. Practice? You talking about practice? Champion not only on the Bulls, but the Spurs. Was an executive before he got the Golden State job. And there was outrage, right? Like, why is Steve Kerr? And this is before you see the fact that, and we, you and I are going back and forth that at this point with the hiring of Darvin Ham for the Lakers, that's not talking about the Lakers. I just, it's just a fact. I don't want to talk about the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Don't, I see, I see it in your eyes. Just leave it alone. I like Darvin Ham. <laughs> there you go. That now 50% of the coaches in the league are black, but there's a little outrage about Kirk. Like, how is this guy? He's a golfing buddy with the owners of the Golden State Warriors. Why is he in play? And they screwed Mark Jackson. Yeah. Let's now, years later, coach of the year, he's won championships. He obviously is going to go up in the pantheon of coaches. He just is a dominant coach that can connect with players. And the thing about Kerr that I really appreciate is this is not the first or the last time that he will ever say something or be an activist. It is especially raw for him when it comes to gun control because his father... 36 years prior and had been gunned down when they were living overseas. Mm. And so when he was playing for the University of Arizona, so this is raw, real, like this, this is something that he has been trying to fight forever. Mm. And so when he is talking about issues, he's coming with facts. He's talking about legislation that hasn't passed. Yep. He is polling because he's someone that can walk all sides with Democrats, Republicans, doesn't think that it's a politicized issue, but it's thinking about this as a public health issue yep. and is putting his face and his money and his time and energy around something that's important to him. So it's an arc for someone who you, when he first comes in the league, who's this punk? Why does he have this job? And you're overlooking other qualified candidates. Mm-hmm. To then someone that's proved his bona fides from a coaching perspective, but then also has the chops and people are willing to listen to a coach when they stand up and speak. When he talks, no one goes online or goes on the airways and says that coaches should just shut up and coach. And so he's taken pot shots at the former president. Yep. He's talked on multiple issues. And I often run it back to Coach Popovich. Yeah. Who 
as someone who is a, a military veteran, Air Force Academy grad, yeah. who's, who's in as red a state as you can possibly be in San Antonio, mm-hmm. he's been very vocal on race issues, gun control, unfiltered at times while needing to pick his spots about what he thinks is right and wrong. Yeah. So you appreciate coaches that are willing to do that, but it also, you then take a step back and say, wow, but when it happens, there are normally no real repercussions because they will show up the next game. They will show up the next year and still be in a place of power and still be able to gauge with their team and the general manager and the owners in a way that players and activists don't have the same protection. Yeah. So that's everything that's running through my head Mm -hmm. as you see Uvalde and you just, you couldn't imagine, we can't imagine as parents that ever have, like just ever happening. Yep. And then you're seeing someone who's not only an ally, but someone who has power, who is not holding back and saying whatever they need to say to try to affect change. Mm-hmm. But then seeing someone with the ability to know, care or not care, that I have good standing and I don't think anything's going to come back to me. So that's a long answer. That is the roller coaster, the twists and turns I went through just listening to Kerr and like, what would happen if a player or players do that? We've seen some of some what the repercussions over time. Yeah. Although it depends, I think, in how you walk the line. I do think what Kerr said wouldn't really cross any lines as far as the NBA is concerned. To me, it's more him showing emotion. It's also the artifice of the post-game interview where you're supposed to just talk about basketball or you're supposed to, you know, laser focus on the championship and have your we're just here to play one game at a time. You know, you have your cliches at the ready and then the world outside of that starts impinging on it. And you have an authentic human moment where you're allowed to show your emotion. I always view that as I'm just here so I don't get fine. <laughs> yeah. But the flip side is I'm here. I'm putting myself out here in a way that's surprising. It is a leadership moment. Your, your team, I, I saw multiple warriors talking about what Steve Kerr said, they still need to play basketball. You still need to follow that guy, but the guy you're following, you want to understand his humanity and the fact that he's actually situated in the same world that you're in. There's a point where it starts to become more activism. Prior to that, it's more just speech. And then how much the speech is policed, you know, within the NBA, it's, there's certain things you can't say at a press conference that will get you fined. I'm just here so I don't get fined. You also are supposed to just show up, you know, show up and sit in front of the mic, kind of like showing up and dribble. There's a performative aspect to it. Like just do what we tell you to do. But the crazy part then is when someone says something political or when someone goes beyond what typically is said in a press conference, suddenly then it becomes news that it can become something that you know, is detrimented to you in your professional life. It, it is kind of a mixed message where it crosses the line more in terms of a statement, a protest is more like what Gabe Kapler did, which is really a direct in line with what Colin Kaepernick did and also what Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf did. But just to clarify, if anyone isn't caught up on is, you know, Gabe Kapler after Uvalde 
chose not to come out of the dugout for the national anthem. He's saying he's going to continue this until he decides he doesn't need to continue it. And he already demonstrated that there will be some choice on his part, whether he comes out for the national anthem or not. It's similar to me in that I think he is signaling to his team, I'm a person of conscience. This is how I act. And to me, that also gives his team permission to act similarly, uh, which is setting the norms for his culture. I'd argue in a good way, but it does potentially open up for challenges up the chain. Looks like the Giants, at least so far, are supporting Kapler. Yep, the general manager is supporting Kapler. It's interesting. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Kapler, who was one of the few managers to kneel, they only had one black player on the Giants, but to kneel post-Floyd. Yeah. And did it for a few weeks until he stopped kneeling in the same city, as you said, that Kaepernick kneeled in. And Kaepernick ultimately lost his job. Although trying out with the Raiders, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Josh McDaniels is is got a little crazy in him. So does so does so does Hare Davis. I don't he's, 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 is is he kind of a poor man's Tebow? No, do not that's, edit that out. That's good. That's the hot take. That's this is going to be on first take tomorrow. Stephen A. Talking to you. We're, so we should start yelling at each other instead <laughs> instead of having a conversation. So it's interesting. Means I said, "Damn you, damn you, don't." Is Kapler was obviously visibly frustrated, is emotional about it. And the data if you do is people are saying, well, you did it after Uvalde, but why did you do it after Buffalo? So he is taking a stand about gun rights is the way he wants to do it. Of course, you have the Tony Russo's of the world saying that's not the proper way to do it. Right. It's the anthem and everyone needs to protect the anthem. I was, and as I said, this was like preparing for a final. I was actually going to read the national anthem so I could go word by word and see what it actually says. Uh-huh. Very protective of the national anthem, but I didn't have time. So I was just hoping it wasn't on the test. <laughs> so I just think Gabe has the ability, has the support of the manager, of, of the general manager to take this stand. He didn't feel like it was right to Memorial Day. He's continuing to do it and he'll stop at some point. Yeah. Um, California gun control is something that's important out there. San Francisco is very left-leaning Bay Area. And there's a few San Francisco Giants fans who may be less likely to go to the game, but in some ways he may be getting more of the populace behind him by virtue of this, this as opposed to if the Texas Rangers were doing this. I don't even know who the coach of the Texas Rangers is, but that would be more of a political statement because it'd be in contrast. Although on road games, I imagine he'll be sitting it out as well, although he's probably hated already. I mean, this is the coach of the year. Thank you, Frank. Chris Woodward is the manager of the Texas Rangers. We have the best staff around. Outstanding. Uh, it's great work. But what comes to me is Kapler, who was uh, coach of the year in, in baseball, everyone has a right to peacefully protest. Yeah. And there are a lot of structure and rules when it comes to professional sports, but allowing people to express themselves that is not outside the norm, I think it's going to continue to bleed in sports. And, and why should that be a problem? You want to play within the rules of the game. You don't want to cheat the game. Hideki Matsuyama had a substance on his three wood, so he was disqualified from the Memorial Tournament. You don't want to cheat the game, but there are certain rules that actually are put in place that really don't make a ton of sense. It's performative and everyone should have an ability 
to peacefully protest. So I'm not putting up Kapler in the top hundred activists in sports, but I appreciate that something was personal to him. He is showing it for me now is the door open in more sports to peacefully protest as an individual. We know that the NFL doesn't allow not even for you to stray outside of the uniform to protest, but they'll protest for you. Remember, in racism mm-hmm. is in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So we will control your form of protests, but we will not allow you to be an individual. And so I just see the way of sports and you look at the NBA, the NBA is so popular outside of the actual game. I know that the NFL is the most watched television network. Yeah. It's because of the individuality that they allow. They allow people to be authentic to themselves. Mm. You see the kicks that they wear. We've talked about the craziness that they're wearing in and out of the games. They're, they're drip. They're drip. They're drip. You allow them to be more individual when they're speaking, more activists in the game. We'll get to the WNBA, but to me, I'm trying to see whether or not Gabe, as a manager with more power, will that lead to others within baseball to be individuals, or will you see a similar containment that you see in the NFL with MLB? And potentially some of that is because of the race dynamic and yeah. the, the racial mix in that sport versus what you see in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and then also makes me think of the idea of the first follower, which uh, there's a really good TED talk, which shows a bunch of people dancing out by, at a concert. And there's this, this, this date, he's just dancing like totally random. He looks crazy and he's just doing it off by himself. And he would have just been a weird guy dancing, but then somebody starts to follow him. And then once somebody starts to follow him before, you know, before you know it, the entire section is dancing in a crazy way. It's pretty, pretty cool example of group dynamics where somebody makes a move, somebody protests, somebody does something different. If they're contained and nobody else does it, which in the case of Kaepernick, what was interesting was that it was catching fire. There was more broad adoption, you know, Eric Reed. Yep. Yeah. So Eric Reed and Kaepernick were doing it. At times it was bubbling up and, and also even crossing over into other sports to the point where, you know, the U S women's national soccer team was doing it. Folks in the WNBA were doing it. Folks in baseball were doing it. Gabe, Gabe Kapler was doing it. In that case, it becomes rather than activism, it starts to become more like a movement. And I think there are places where folks will allow it to feel like an individual talking or doing their thing. But if there is a call to action that then gets people out of the streets, it does take me back to the original George Floyd summer of protests that we saw in 2020, when uh, a lot of this was happening. Doc Rivers famously was exhausted and he was forced to respond in a more direct way, saying that we love this country and the country doesn't love us back. That was really powerful in in a way that Steve Kerr kind of reminded me of what Doc was going through then. And even that year, it made me think of how it's hard as an athlete to focus. Even that summer, a lot of athletes were saying they needed time. COVID was the same thing. Naomi Osaka, we've talked about. It's hard to show up and you do want to find empathetic leadership who understands 
that you may be struggling at times and give you the, the grace and, and the freedom to work through whatever you're working through. That's why I think the, the leadership that all of these coaches, you know, Duck Rivers, Steve Kerr, you mentioned Popovich. Also, Pop, if, if you're having a hard time, he might recommend a nice Pinot Noir, maybe like a, a Sancerre. A lot of texture to that guy. A lot, a lot of texture. That, that, that's what you call a good hang right yeah. there. Yeah, maybe like oaky, buttery Chardonnay of some kind. I, I don't know. I'm just riffing here. But like these coaches who are able to put themselves out there and, and lead, we even talked about it when we were talking about Kyrie and, and Andrew Wiggins when it came to Draymond Green in front of a microphone, which again is a dangerous thing, but I think they're still going back because he'll say some crazy, he'll say some crazy shit in addition to some crazier than Pat Beverly. <laughs> that's a whole nother, that, that's a whole, whole lot of crazy. That's a whole nother thing. But what was really interesting then was I think the way in which he was talking about the vaccine to me was demonstrating next level leadership to Wiggins saying that we're not going to force this guy to do this thing. I think it's interesting to think about all the different audiences where you're in the, where you're in front of a microphone as in a post game, particularly the post games are kind of designed for when you're emotional to begin with, particularly if you're coming off a loss, they want to see you break down practice. Talk to me about practice. practice. So I think showing that vulnerability, we do talk about lessons learned outside of sports. I think this is a lesson in leadership where the stoic stiff upper lip leader is a more difficult road to hoe in this day and age than someone who can be authentic about how it is hard and how by showing that you're demonstrating leadership, you're demonstrating openness to have that conversation with folks. And, and to me, that's more the next level leadership that we're looking for. Your question about the difference between the coach and the player is pretty interesting. It's one that I don't know if I have a, a really clear answer on it. If you look at a lot of the lists, there's very few coaches listed in the, the sports protest hall of fame. The listicles about great sports protests that very seldom does a coach actually get to that point. I think it's also because generally speaking, they're not going to have as much influence because they're not actually as public figures because they're not actually <laughs> playing the game. But, uh, but anyway, your thoughts. No, I love the first follower. We, we do need to get to, as you call them, the listicles that there, we all type in top 25, top, top 25 sports activists or whatever your yeah. research was. We talk about first follower though. We, you, we talked about coaches. We talked about individuals. What about leaks? So the WNBA is a leader in collective activism, which is hard, hard to do. They focus on gender payouts, racism, policing, LGBTQIA rights reproductive rights, voting rights. 2017, after Flando Castile was shot in his car, they, the Minnesota Lynx wore shirts on the court uh, that said, change starts with us. And that was a change for a league that had been around its 25 year history and had seen declines in their TV viewership since 2008. It was a moment. And that led to really unrelenting focus amid the WNBA players. They're the first to wear Black Lives Matter shirts on the court. 
They started to get fined by the league because players refused to, when they sat in the game press conference, answering any questions unless they were answering questions about police brutality and systemic racism. And then the league started to realize finding these players is probably not the best thing to do. They were very vocal after Charlottesville. They have teams locking, not just a single team, not just a single player, teams locking arms together. After Floyd and the WNBA finals, one of the teams during it, the kneeled on the court and the LA Sparks just walked off the court. Mm-hmm. That would never happen in other leagues. They've created a social justice council within the WNBA. So then your favorite, you're going to Georgia, the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, Kelly Loeffler, who was uh, running percent a bit in Georgia. Most of the players, because she was not happy with the Black Lives Matter movement and the focus on social justice, um, the players were trying to get her to sell her shares when they figured out that wasn't going to work. They then wore vote Warnock shirts, her opponent on the court. Yeah. So the players, the person who they were trying to vote out their own owner, mm-hmm. talk about that is gangster right there and contributed to flipping a seat that was no one thought would be flipped to, to a Democrat. So you think about WNBA, but at the end of the day, why will people, why do people hold back from being activists? Cause it didn't hurt them. Kaepernick stood out, but it hurt him, at least professionally. He has a second career as an activist. Kerr, Popovich, they may pick their moments because no one wants them up there just talking about, talking about whether and talking about, not talking about the sport or trying to be the show because it's about the athletes. But for the WNBA, I said, okay, are they losing money? The WNBA is, their popularity is at an all-time high, 40, 45% plus viewership over 2021, 24% over 2019. It has not hurt the, the league embracing its players and allowing to be individuals and to speak out has not hurt the standing of the WNBA. When Nike became what is the leader in brand activism, and you would say Patagonia and Ben and Jerry and others, when they selected Colin Kaepernick to be the 30th, to, to be the face of their 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign, there's $43 billion in value that, that accrued to Nike. So you start to think that there may be a continued shift that may happen. Society, the older generation goes out, which is often the ones who are sitting and watching professional baseball, just like you, the older generation. Are we seeing a shift? Part of the reason you hold back is you worry about your job and you worry about money, but it's proving in some areas in, in a fringe league, it's a fringe league at WBA that you actually can allow players to stand and it will not hurt your pocketbooks. It will not hurt the popularity. And you're actually seeing a spike when the WNBA released their new jerseys. It was the, it was one of the hottest things that happened at WNBA. Just the launch, just the, the, the shoe drop, just the drop of, of the jerseys. So. That to me, as some pundits or some people will want players to just shut up and dribble, it's amazing what can happen when you have the collective league supporting, creating a foundation for players to do what they think they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really surprising to me that it's not more top of mind if you look at the Brittany Grider case where Brittany was protesting over the years. She was actually listed on some of these listicles that we're talking about as one of the top 25 athletes who have been involved in activism and protests, hers mostly around Texas's transgender bathroom law. She has been out there as one of the more active 
members of the WNBA. She recently has been detained in Russia, partly coinciding with the Ukraine war. The fact that that hasn't been more of a, a news issue, like we've been talking about how to get this into a topic, something that we could go deeper on. I can't really think of another case where an athlete is detained in another country for this period of time. There are some folks who are becoming a little more vocal about it to try to raise the attention, but it's also one of those things where there are negotiations are happening to get some swaps in place. So frequently the state department doesn't want too much heat dialed up on these types of things, but it is a reminder that when you put yourself out there, you can put yourself at risk of jail. That brings me also to the, the grand Puba, the big kahuna. I don't know what you want to call him, but Muhammad Ali, we're recording this on the 55th anniversary of the Ali press conference in 1967, when he appeared with Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell to say that he was not going to serve in, in Vietnam, wound up being sentenced to jail and losing his championship for what he did. We are approaching a time where folks are going to have to put their bodies on the line, most likely to actually move the needle in terms of activism, put themselves in risk of going to jail, put themselves in at risk of even physically being beaten. You know, I, I always think back to, to John Lewis uh, and the, the Pettus Bridge in, in, in Selma. It does feel like we are getting to a time where there, there is the social media activism. There is that form of protest. That's what you say on a podium. What's your podium game like? I'm just here so I don't get fined. I got to do Rashid here. Ball don't lie. To me, it all comes back to that. In many ways, he was the first transcendent sports superstar of the modern era. The equivalent of Michael Jordan or more. Michael Jordan in the 90s was Ali in the 60s. Decides in protest of a very public politicized war that he is not in support of. He makes the decision. He ultimately stayed out of jail, but limit his ability to perform at his peak. To me, when I think about protests, I always got to run it back to Ali. I didn't mention Craig Hodges, but I was trying to run the gamut there. I was trying to get all the bonus points in the athletes who protest bingo. I'm going to come back to Craig Hodges later. Any thoughts? I had to then go into deep cuts of Rasheed Wallace, ball don't lie. Yeah. But I actually think one that is not, it's underlooked, underappreciated. The shooter takes shots. A shotter makes shots. Just run that around a little bit. Okay. We will make, we may come back next cut with some famous Herschel Walker quotes. This word garbage that he is now saying as he's running for election now, just too many hits in the head. But I do appreciate where you're going with Ali. He obviously, when you think about Ali, most will say he sparked activism, you know, allowed whether it's John Carlos of the world to, with raising a fist during, during the Olympics, it's Floyd in baseball going after a free agency. What's interesting when you think about what formerly Cassius Clay and when he changed his name in Muhammad Ali, and at that time, reporters refused to call him by his name and he refused to answer questions if he was not referred to by his given name. And that 
he would sit in press conferences and say, my enemy is not the Viet Cong, it is white people, and say it to them. And then years later, so revered as an athlete. They beloved Muhammad Ali, but he took so much pain and grief, and luckily he wasn't on his own. The Supreme Court had to overturn his conviction. So it's just amazing strength, bravery. I think about you will do things that's not right. If, if it's not right, you will fight. But you're also, con I'm constantly thinking about my family and to not put themselves and then myself in harm's way. Yeah. Mama Ali not only had an impact when you think about sports, political activism, but I didn't know this, that one of Ali's fights in 1975, he was fighting Chuck Buckner. The Bayonne Bleeder, 15 rounds is a 40 to one odds. Not, Ali got knocked down in the ninth round and that inspired the movie Rocky. Right. Sylvester Stallone had to... The Bayonne Bleeder was pretty good. Although if you're the Bayonne, if your nickname is the Bayonne Bleeder, you're probably not that great a champion. I'm just going to go in and slam. It just reminds me of Mike Tyson fighting up Peter McNeely from Medville, Mass. On Friday night, I'm going to kick Tyson's ass. And he was down in like 37 seconds. <laughs> but the Bayonne Bleeder is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we always have to remember Ali. We're years past Ali, 55 years, as you said. But... We do, I think we're going to continue to see a movement and the biggest platforms that we have are sports entertainment. And this is a model for the next generations as we've seen more activism coming from, and I guess it's similar what not more people are in the 60s would say we were activists, but more and more activism coming from the generation Z mm -hmm. and how they're trying to stand up to power. So I want to leave with. We all had our list. So let me go through 10 to one of the top, top 25 that I saw. Okay. 10 was Carlos De Delgado. Aren't you excited to met me that? Because most don't know that he sat in the dugout during the anthem because he was fighting against war. Mahmoud Abdu-Raouf. Yes. Pat Tillman, who quit the NFL to post 9-11 to go fight. The Fierce Five. So... Our gymnastics darlings who, who won in the Olympics, but also exposed Larry Nasser. That I was about to F-bomb that monster who abused so many gymnasts. Kareem, of course, he will make always make a list. Formerly Lou Alcindor, who's always been outspoken. I hear Kareem rises to the top. I just, I don't know if he practices that. Is he always that corny? Just comes to me. I mean, dad jokes have been waiting for you and now you are a dad and you can just live in your dad joke life. Kaepernick, Juan Carlos, Tommy Smith, as we talked about in the 1968 Olympics, Billie Jean King. So if the U.S. women's soccer is winning for pay parity, Billie Jean was the first out there really fighting for female athletes. LeBron James is number two. And we talk about activism, shut up and dribble. And he is the first active player to have a net worth of a billion dollars. And then number one, Ali. So very different people, very different times. I appreciate, and I'm going to put myself into the Gen Zers. Love it when you're authentic. You share the soul of your brands and you don't hide who you are. Be yourself. Uh, I love the shift that we're seeing 
I don't need people to shut up and dribble, shut up and just hit the ball or catch the ball. I'm actually more interested. I guess this is my version of the soap opera. I'm more interested if someone has something to say one way or the other, uh, because it draws me in similar to following college basketball. You get into March madness and it's the stories they tell that draw you in when the 16th seed is about to knock down the one seed. So appreciate though complicated what Kapler can do in his own peaceful protests. It was much watch and listen to see what Steve Kerr had to say. And the hope is we don't have another Uvalde. We don't have another Buffalo. These are horrific instances in that sports, as it did in Atlanta, where it is able to elevate Warnock, can continue to have an impact in our political scene as we push our elected officials to effect change. Yeah. Sports reflect society. You know, sports are a product of our culture. What's interesting is when they can lead and when they have the the collective attention, particularly in these media moments, what are people doing with those platforms? What are we doing with our platform? We continue to run it back, Tarla. That's what we do. We keep on bringing the noise, bringing the joy to our listeners, bringing joy to me. Thank you again for joining Tarlin. Wonderful conversation. And, and I'll end just as Rashid Wallace, I'm just doing the normal things. Nothing spectacular. Yeah, that's right. Just showing up. Sometimes that's, that's all, that's all it takes. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, write some reviews, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Running It Back. Oh.